to the interlude with Drew. What's up, people? This is Andrew McCain, and this is the interlude with Drew. Welcome to the third episode, and I have a special guest here with me, the Deacon, Kevin Powell. Hey, he looks surprised, but guess what? He actually is a Deacon, for real. I really am. Yeah, that's the crazy part. He's ordained as a Deacon and everything. Now this is my this is my big bro right here, man. The probably the musician I look up to the most. It's funny because I almost got the idea to do a podcast from every time I be around him because I literally be interviewing him every time I see him. <laughs> <laughs> I always come with a question about his experience, yeah. about his music career or something. So I, I appreciate you taking this time out, Kev, out of your busy schedule yeah. to do this, man. Hey, I'm honored, man. We we try to stay busy in the middle in the middle of this pandemic, in the midst of this pandemic. But at the at the end of the day, there's a whole lot of folk that got a whole lot of time on their hands, and I'm blessed to have time on my hands because that means I'm still alive. So you That's know, I thank God for that. That's a word, Deacon preaching already. Woo. <laughs> so all right, so you already you already segue right into my first question. So. We we are still in the midst of a pandemic. It's 2021, but 2020 was a rough year for everyone. Um, many different challenges. How was it for you? 2020, 2020 um, I have to honestly say um, my heart goes out to everybody um, all over this world, really, that has been affected by this pandemic. I think we've all been affected in some way. Um, however, I will say um, 2020, God showed me, and I think it was crazy. We were in Bible study, and my mom posed this question in Bible study: uh, "What are some of your takeaways from 2020?" And um, you know, one of my takeaways was simply that God showed me um, in that year that it doesn't matter what they're saying is going on in the world when he when he decides to do what he wants to do whatever blessings he decides to allow to overtake you, he's going to do it on his timing. And so even in 2020, where, you know, I've lost some close friends, I've lost, you know, some relatives, I've lost, um, you know, people in my church, um, friends and family members that, are, that have died of COVID. And even at the end of uh, 2020, losing my grandmother, my last remaining grandmother, um, kind of that kind of, struck a chord in my heart. Um, but I honestly can say um, 2020 uh, for me personally, I'm just grateful I made it, you know. Um, God opened some doors even in the midst of the pandemic that I was like, really? Like now? And it was just like crazy, like, and you know, praying God was just like, just be ready. You know, in my prayer time, God was like, just be ready. And when I thought I was just going to have to, you know, you know, find something else to do or, you know, just stay in the house and wait until things get better. God started, you know, opening doors, you know, in the music field and production, you know, how everything shifted to production and shifted to, you know, doing uh, things pre-recording, doing stuff for different churches. God just started really opening doors and blessing me in that aspect where I'm like, I didn't even see that coming. So 2020 um, showed us a lot. At the end of the day, we got something to be thankful for. And, you know, 
when God gets ready to bless you, he's just going to do it. It's not about a year. It's not about a time. It's not about a date. You know, folk like to throw out dates and all that stuff. But listen, <clears throat> 2020, I will say, literally was one of my, uh, in a long time, one of my best years financially um, as a musician. And I didn't even see that coming. But it, it pays to stay in God's face. It pays to pay your tithes. It pays to sow seeds. It pays to do all that stuff. Because when, when God get ready, it don't matter what, you know, it don't matter what man say. It don't matter what, it don't matter. He's just going to do it. So, you know, that's really 2020 for me, you know. You know, that's that's really what 2020 is for me. That, that sums it up, you know. Yes, sir. I'm glad to hear that, man. God definitely makes a way in the wilderness, man. So when everybody was counting yes. out the years, saying it's a bad year, God is still providing, still opening doors, still making ways. Listen, bro. And that's 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 facts all day, man. That's facts all day. All right. So I want to take it back to the beginning, your foundation. You come from a very musical family, which I feel like most people know, but not everybody knows. So Give me a um, brief background on your, your musical background and everything as far as your family. Well, so it all started one day, um, 1986. Now nah, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, you know, my dad, um, really before my dad, you know, my whole family just took on music, um, you know, both sides, really. Um, my mom, she, she, uh, went to school, she took piano and she sings, she's an amazing singer. She even, you know, studied piano for a long time, even in college. Um, and, um, but my dad's side of the family, my grandmother was an organist. Uh, my grandfather played the banjo, the harmonica. Um, I had an uncle that I never met named Lofton, uh, my uncle Lofton and, uh, he played, they said he played stride piano like Art Tatum. Oh, wow. I never got him, I never got to meet him because you know he was one of my father's uncles. And um, you know, he died long before I was born. Um, but um <clears throat> he was an amazing pianist. And of course, you know, it just matriculated on down. Um, my father, um, who was a innovator of j gospel jazz. Um, I don't care who likes to try and take that credit. Nobody was doing it before Hubert Powell. Um, and that's a fact. Um, Hubert Powell started and innovated gospel jazz. And, um, you know, because of him, you have, have the people like uh, Ben Tankard and all of the other folks that are doing gospel jazz, you know, the Kirk Whalums and all those people. But my father, uh, Stella Award nominee, Dove Award nominee, uh, gospel jazz artists um, and uh, then you, of course you know you just keep going going on down you know my uncle I have an uncle the late Ivan Powell who basically changed the game for for gospel organ um, who was one of my my most major influences on organ um, is the great late Ivan Powell senior um, he's just he was just that dude you know and then you know my brothers, you know, I got cousins, host cousins, my brothers, you know, Doobie Powell, you know, basically got his own genre of gospel, For real. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, Billy, 
Billy has his own style. You know, Billy's an amazing drummer, um, singer, turn preacher, uh, rap rapper. You know, Billy tries not to rap that much anymore, but you know, Billy Billy can yeah. really rap like that man can. That man can flow for real. Um, then you got you know, this is it's a whole bunch of us, honestly. Like it's you know my little cousin Ivan Powell Jr. Um, Brandon Brandon Hodge, they call him Bam, super producer. Um, out in out in uh, Chicago now, you know, Stenny. That's just a whole bunch of us. Like we all are doing music. My family has just been very musical for a long time. My aunt Pinky, Pinky Hodge. Um, you know, just so many of us, man. You know, God's been really good to my family when it comes to music. That's just been our go-to, all of us, you know. So, you know, it just, it, it matriculated down. You know, I, I, I'm honored um, to be a part, be a Powell. Um, and, um, you know, we, we got a lot of history in here. We, we've been, you know, Kojic our whole lives. And my father worked with uh, Dr. Maddie Moss Clark um, for, for many years in the, in the Church of God in Christ uh, music department, and um, you know, taught songs on you know some of y'all seen the movies when they were talking about the UNAC conventions and all that stuff. And my yeah. dad was actually, you know, it was crazy. My dad was actually at those conventions with the Clark sisters. He taught songs, and um, he was actually at the funeral of Maddie uh, when oh. Dr. Maddie once Clark died. He was oh. there. Like you see the movie and it's like, you know, my dad's like, that's not really how I went at the funeral. I remember that wasn't But like, you know, we just, you know, so you know, God has opened so many doors, um, you know, through through us, you know, through my family just, you know, indulging in the music industry. You know, we've been blessed to do a lot. We're very blessed. And I'm blessed to be part of this family. I'm just blessed. That's incredible. Because to be honest, like most, I think if you ask most musicians, like where their influences come from, most most musicians won't be able to say like this long line of great musicians come from their own family. Usually you got to look outside. So I know that's a true blessing. God has opened many doors. Like, you know, people like, oh, you tore? Like, yeah, who you tore with? My dad. Oh, okay, like no, like for real, like my dad been touring he's Japan. Really he's been touring Japan for like twenty. He toured Japan for twenty years straight. Um, he just stopped touring in Japan in twenty sixteen, I believe. You know that was like his last time going over there, and that was because you know he just needed to he needed to take a break. He needed to rest, regroup, get his health back in order. You know all that stuff, and then all this happened. You know, so I was just like, I've been blessed to say like, yeah, I'm. I've seen the world with my pops and, you know, and Doobie and Billy and, you know, all them, you know, just doing things, you know, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm definitely grateful. I'm definitely blessed. You know, I don't, I don't take any of that for granted. Yes, sir, man. God is good. So what was it like being over in Japan? Like what was the reaction to the music and how were, how did the people treat you guys over there? They treat us like rock stars. God, <laughs> it was crazy. Like Japan, if I look, if I had to live somewhere else, I would move to Japan in a heartbeat. Oh wow! Um, Japan is beautiful. Um, people over there, they love gospel music. Um, they they appreciate it, you know. And 
the same the same concerts that we would try to put over here and you hardly get a hundred people in the room. We we performed in front of four or five thousand people, you know, you know, over there in ten thousand seaters and and it was like jam packed full of people came to see us. We were the only <laughs> we were the only tick people on the ticket, you know what I mean? But Japan, Japan is lovely, you know. I I, I miss it. I, I really hope to go back one day soon, you know, hopefully when all this is over. But, you know, it's just they're so ahead of us. And technology wise, Japan is so ahead of us. They have they just I don't know, man, they're just so smart, so intelligent. And, you know, they're so clean over there. You can, man, you probably could eat off the streets over there. It's just so dope, you know, and they're, you know, they're just way ahead of us and everything, but Japan is really dope. I I encourage everybody go to Japan, eat their food, man, their their McDonald's is even better than ours. And and I don't even eat McDonald's no more, but listen, their McDonald's tastes like gourmet um, food made in heaven. I recently heard somebody say that about Germany, but we we have. I've never been to Germany though. That's crazy. I got to get over there. Yeah. I'm scared so, to go there now, but you know. Yeah, right, right. So I, I, I'm gonna just assume that Japan is is your favorite uh, overseas place that you've been to. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I've been blessed to go a couple places. I've been, you know, I've been to Paris. You know, Italy. Um, been to those places, of course. Africa. I go to Africa. Every year, I love I love going over to Africa, but like Japan, Japan is it? Yo. Japan is that place. I love I love Japan. All right, so you got to get over there one day. They'll I probably do. think you they'll do. probably think you're a basketball player. They'll look at you like you're crazy because you're so tall, and they'll like they'll they'll automatically know you're an entertainer, and they will like follow you. They'll love you like you know it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, you know, I'm a Wizards fan. Uh, that Rui Hachimura is from Japan. He on our team. So, oh yeah, we, we I, just I know they treat him like they treat him like a god just because he made it to the NBA. I think he's yeah. the first. He's the first uh, Japanese NBA player. So yeah, I gotta look. I gotta go back and watch the tape from when my Celtics beat y'all the other night. Was it last wow. night? Wow. Um, I gotta go look to see if I can find wow. him on the bench. So there, there's a there's an interesting story that I feel like should be more popular than it is because of how it's almost ironic, but it is dope to me. But you talked about how uh, seeing this extremely great uh, musician at four years old inspired you to play keys. Who's that oh. musician? Man, you'll never guess. Um... He goes by the he goes by the name of Corey Henry. <laughs> Corey Henry, me and Corey Henry have known each other literally uh, thirty years now. Um, I met him. I was going turning five, and he was turning four. He's like a year younger than me. And his mother's late mother, a wonderful wonderful lady, brought him to our old church on Worcester Street in Hartford. Um, anybody that knows about Holy Trinity Church of God in Christ. That is a very legendary church um, in the community in Hartford. Um, 114 Worcester Street was the place where a lot of things, a lot of people were birthed. That was the place, you know, where Kirk Carr got saved. Um, You know, that's where he got discovered by James Cleveland, 
you know, he was at my church. He was the piano player. Um, that's when he got introduced to the Clark sisters. That's, you know, the church that Bishop Hezekiah Walker would come and train our choir before anybody really knew who he was. He would come and train our choir and work with the choir and James Hall and all of these people. Like it was just, it's a very historic church. And we would have these concerts and musicals all the time, you know, and, and um, one time, you know, this lady called my dad and she asked, could she bring her son to the church? Said, oh, he can play, you know, I want him to come to your, your, your musical. My dad had a musical or something. And um, she brought him and we seen him coming in, you know, all, you know, just little kid, you know, and we like, okay, well, he gonna, we gonna let him play. And he got on that organ and played in every key. And he was only three turning four. And I just never forgot it. Like Doobie actually was a, a, accompanying him on drums. And Doobie was sitting there like, that made Doobie play. That, yeah, that, that night, it was like, he he saw that, he was like, okay, this is, this is crazy. Like, um, and he started really playing keys after that night, you know, but we were all there. We were all, all in amaze and amazement, like just seeing this guy with this part in his head, he couldn't even sit on the organ bench. He had to lean back because he was too small. And he governed, when he got on, he governed the service. Like, like it was, it was like breathtaking. Like they were like telling him to go to like G. Oh, go take me to G. He went to G like playing in G, like shouting them, like going in, playing songs, they doing devotional songs and all this stuff, you know, oh, I don't like G, take me to D. Like he's like going to the keys and like playing. And I just remember everybody being, just marveling at the fact that he was really doing this, that like after he got finished playing, I mean, my dad sat me, on his uh, little table, like, you know, he's a pastor, so he got this little table where his seat is, and he stood me up on it and was like, watch this. And Corey Henry slid on that organ, and my life was changed from that point. I was like, well, and I didn't understand nothing about no prodigies and stuff. I didn't understand nothing about, you know, any of that. I just said to my dad, I was like, man, I want to play too. Like, he doing it. You know, I'm just in the kid mode, <laughs> like, what are he doing? I want to play. And my dad prayed. He prayed for me. He said, you going to play. And, you know, you know, after Corey Henry played, <laughs> he got, I, I think I remember, I, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember, like, asking him if he wanted to go downstairs in the basement and play around. Like, you know, because they had they dinners down there. We had kids stuff down there. I was like, yo, let's go play. And all of a sudden, he made his way back to the organ. And, like, I remember, like, all the people like my uncle Ivan, all these folk were just around the organ, just watching them like, this is really happening. Like this cat is really like blazing at, at the age of three or four. Like it was, it was really, people don't understand how special the Corey's gift is to the world because like what y'all are hearing is a, a grown up prodigy. Somebody that was really amazing in, in his toddler years. And at the age of eight, I think he was playing, traveling with Timothy Wright, you know. At eight years old, like he was doing full gigs and telling on, I remember my my, my 
my brother DW, uh, Dwayne Wright, was telling me about times where Corey would be telling on the other keyboard players because they were transposing. Oh, man. He wasn't. And he was like eight years old. Like, yo, we transposed. Like, DW tell me some stories. It's hilarious. But Corey, Corey definitely, you know, somebody I look up to um, that is very, you know, inspired me in so many ways. You know, that's, that's the dude, you know. Y'all know, y'all see what he's up to now. You know, I just, I'm just glad I was able to witness what people don't believe. People still don't believe me when I tell them that story. Like, you know, no, he was four years old playing in every key. Like, I saw it. We have it on cassette tape somewhere. Um, Doobie has the cassette tape. I hope he's, I hope he still has it. But we, we, we had it recorded. Like, I would listen to him like every day, like, yo, I can't believe this. This dude really played in every key. Like, I would listen to the cassette tape every day. So, like, you know, it's documented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Because yeah. for me, like, the, the crazy part is that prior to that night or day or whatever it was, you weren't playing any type of keys. And nah. Even further, nah. Doobie wasn't playing any type of keys. Nah, not really, nah. Both of you guys were drummers. So, like, it's, it's, it's incredible that, like, we know Corey to be like probably the greatest organist in the world, um, based on who you ask. You ask me, I, I think he is. And then he's got, definitely the father of this generation. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Then based off of you seeing him, now we got another one of the absolute greatest organists, keyboardists in the world, Kevin. And then Doobie that influenced a whole generation with his sound. Mm-hmm. It was basically birthed in in a time watching a little three or four year old. Playing. That 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 story is incredible, man. It was crazy, man. And I, I don't take that's why I, every time I see Corey, I have to um give him his, you know, give him his due, man. You know, you don't get you don't forget where you came from. You don't forget the people who blessed you, inspired you. Corey's one of those dudes. It's like, yo, he come in the room. I gotta I gotta pay homage to him. That, you know, he definitely was a huge inspiration. Cause, you know, I seen my dad play. My dad, you know, played, you know, everybody was influenced by my dad. My uncle Ivan played, but growing up into that, it just became, uh, it, it became normal for me. It was, it was a normalcy for me to be around that. So it didn't have the effect on me, you know, like you, you be around something, you know, it's just normal. Like, oh, everybody out here can sing. Everybody's dope, you know, you know, and then it's like, you don't really take a step back to realize, of course, I'm young at the time. So it's just like when I heard what, you know, what my pops and my uncle Ivan and a couple cats was doing in their playing, when I heard him do that, I was like, okay, so this is, this is, this is different. (laughs) This is not normal. (laughs) So, I mean, it just, you know, yeah, man, he definitely influenced me, man. Definitely. That's crazy. All right, so you you described Corey as a prodigy, of course, being that he was playing that well at that age so effortlessly. So you being inspired that by that, how was your journey? Did you have like a, a uphill climb or did you feel like once you started playing, things started to come pretty naturally for the most part? What, what was your journey like? I took a hiatus, actually. Like my dad... I remember like after I seen Corey, you know, I started like, we had like Juno here at the house. This is before we had all this stuff in here, you know, and my 
dad bought Doobie a Juno and I would sneak in Doobie's room at the time and I would like try and play as Juno and stuff. And I'd just be like, just messing around on it. And then finally my dad showed me some chords and I ended up learning how to play shop music. I don't know why I was messing around. And I heard it, I was like, okay, shoot. Oh, yo, that's it. And I'm playing, I'm like, dad, look. And I'm playing, it was an E flat. It was the first key I learned how to play. And um, <clears throat> my dad showed me some chords. He showed me how to turn the shout music around from the one to the four and all that stuff. And it was just like, oh, okay, bet. And um, I took a, I took a, um, the first, the first choir song I learned how to play was I Will Go In Jesus Name. I played it completely wrong, but I, you know, I, I played it completely wrong. But that was like, the, that was my first, you know, solo, like, you know, my dad would make me play for orphan all the time. Once I learned how to do that, and he was like, you playing for orphan every Sunday for like a month, a couple months straight. All right, Kevin, get on the organ. And I had to play that song. And then I took, a, I kind of took a hiatus because I, I really got serious about drums because I was like, uh, drum seems easier. So I was just like, I kind of like stopped playing. I always knew how to play, you know, growing up, but I, I kind of just like focused on drums, like really, because that was my, my first, that was my first instrument. So I was like, well, right now, I have a better chance at playing the drums. So let me just do that. <laughs> and um, I think around like my third, I was 13, 14, is when I really started taking it serious again. <clears throat> Um, because my uncle Ivan was gone. He was on the road. He was on the road with John Key. You know, he wrote, my uncle Ivan wrote Stan. Um, he did a lot of uh, arranging for John P. Key, you know, show up videos, you know, strength, all them videos. Um, and he was on the road with John. And then when he stopped traveling, John, Karen Clark picked him up. So like he started going on the road with Karen Clark, going everywhere. So, you know, Doobie was just Doobie back at the crib, at the church, and Billy on drums, and God rest his soul, my my big bro Keith, who just passed, Keith Harper was on bass. And, you know, I just started, you know, sneaking up on organ again, like, okay, well, maybe I can, maybe I can try and play with them. And I just started taking it serious. And the Lord just started, you know, giving me, I'm, I'm, I learned how to play by ear. Like the Lord just started giving me inspiration and, you know, I never really learned a lot of things hands-on, you know, with nobody, you know, my dad was just like, if you don't play it, play it right. I was like, okay, whatever that means. So, <laughs> but you know, it's like, you know, my dad always, he always had, you know, little nuggets to drop, you know, and to, to tell me or show me, you know, what I need to do without truly being hands-on is like, okay, I, yeah, I definitely hear you. So I had to just, you know, listen, a lot of my, a lot of my learning experience came from watching, you know, I watched my dad, I watched my uncle Ivan every Sunday. I just watched. I didn't come up to them after church and ask a million questions. And you, you did something at approximately 10:59 AM in the service and and I want you to show me that hands on like I didn't do that man, I 
I watched. I sat there and watched. No questions asked. I just sat there and watched. You know, and that's that's really how my journey just, you know, went, you know. Yeah, that's incredible. So I like to ask this to uh, a lot of the musicians I look up to. So when you really got serious, um, ballpark figure, about how, how long were you practicing every day? Man, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I came home from school. It was one point I had it bad. I fell in school because I was just not trying to do any work. I was only trying to just sit on. I, I can't even tell you. I really don't. I just know I failed. I stayed back in seventh grade because I didn't do any work. Oh, wow. <laughs> I stayed back. I failed. I failed because I was not trying to hear it about school. I was like, look. I had the Jones, I had the music Jones in my bones real bad. And I was just like, look, I'm just trying to be in here playing and, you know, trying to learn how to play in these keys. And I was just, I, don't, I can't even tell you how long I practiced, but, you know, that was the key right there. I practiced. I, I didn't just sit up there and go on YouTube. We didn't have YouTube back in them days. I'm old. No, sir. No, sir. You know? I didn't go on YouTube and just look at somebody else do it and say, okay, got it, and walk away. Nah, like we had to sit, we had to sit down and and really literally wait on the Lord to give us a lot of inspiration and stuff. And you know, especially, you know, coming up in church, you know, it ain't a whole lot of books to teach you how to play in church. My dad would make me get on the organ at Bible study, knowing that them, them mothers was gonna sing in any key, knowing they wasn't gonna care that I'm, I can't play C-sharp any harder. I'm looking at them like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> they still gonna sing in G. Yep. I can't play in G yet. I'm not there yet, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing though, cause I mean, that we got a different type of uh, training in, um, we we when we come when we come up playing in church because if you playing and somebody's singing they're not gonna be like okay he only plays in, in C sharp or E flat they gonna sing wherever it's comfortable right. and if if you don't follow them you gonna right. look crazy so that's you're gonna look crazy yeah so with this this uh this is obviously a totally different time like we got um like you said the YouTube generation now a lot of people if you want to learn how to play keys. There's a million uh, tutors on on, on um, YouTube that you can just learn for free. You can learn any song that you want to play um, just by going and watching watching a uh, YouTube clip. So, what would you think about? Uh, what would you say about the difference between just learning it and grinding and having to listen? Especially back in, you know, you're a little bit older than me, but I, I definitely grew up in the cassette tape time where you you want to learn something, you got to rewind it over and over again. What What do you think is you know, how does that stick with a musician, like having to learn it that way versus just going on YouTube and learning it? Well, back in our, back in those days, you needed patience. Yes, sir. That's the main thing. Yep. Um, and these days, you don't need patience. It's a micro age. Everybody want it quick, fast, in a hurry. So it's like they, these these younger musicians, they don't have the patience that we had. The patience that I had to have to, to get to certain levels. They're trying to grasp everything now. And that's just, that's the culture we live in, man. Even in our church culture, folk don't want to serve. 
they want to go online and pay a fee and become a bishop. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to actually earn the title spiritually in the spirit realm. They just want to carry it. But it's like, that's how the, the, that's how a lot of them are. It's just that the main thing is patience, man. We, you know, I, I did that. And I was just talking to one of my big bros, producer Eric Davis, that did a lot of uh, You For Praise earlier work. Um, I was talking to him about that. I said, man, I just sit in my room and sit on my floor and like imitate the whole album, old You For Praise album. And just sit there and just imitate it and just be like, you know, rewind the song back. Okay, now I'm going to pay attention to what the bass did. Okay, rewind the song back. Okay, what did Eric do on this song on keys? You know, rewind the song back. Okay, let me see if I can mimic the drums. You know what I'm saying? I did a lot of that stuff growing up. I was, I was, I was weird. You know, I had pillows set up everywhere. <laughs> Then I then when I was really trying to get my key keyboard swag, I had a chair set up in my room and I was acting like I was playing the keys before I really could practice. And I'll be acting like, okay, okay, it, it, it should look like this. I would be, you know, it was just we had patience to sit back and 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 listen, break it down. And then, you know, you ain't got you ain't have a whole lot of, you know slow-mo stuff back then you didn't have all that stuff you had to literally sit and listen break it down and dissect it for yourself you know so patience that's why patience is you know patience they say patience is a virtue patience is what separates this generation from you know the generations before i i strongly believe yeah for sure yeah, it, it, it definitely is something that sticks with you because even now, you know, we got we do have the tool of YouTube if necessary. But I feel like a lot of people that are older would rather learn it by listening rather than going and, you know, looking at the tutorial, doing it the quick way. Because mm -hmm. this is a microwave generation. We all uh, benefit from it uh, in one way or another. But there are some definitely some virtues from, you know, how we came up and everything that is great to hold on to. And even if you're starting out, I feel like, it's a good thing to be able to like literally grind because it, it, it gets grind. a part of you um, just learning it and stuff like that. Grinding is one of the best learning experiences. You know, um, that's, that's one of the best things. One of the best, you know, you, you got to have experience, you know, that's, that's one of the best things to do is to just get experience. Um, it's not always, you know, about, what you sat down and you know learned and all that stuff you know street smarts is still a thing that's what i tell people all the time like street smarts is still a thing you know everything everything is not by the book some yeah. folks some things is it's about what you've learned through your experiences you know what i mean so you know that's where we at man so you talked about you, you talked about how you were listening to the Youthful Praise album, and I find it very interesting that you said that you weren't just listening to the keys. You weren't just studying the keys. So I feel like that probably played a big part in you not just being just a keys player or just a drummer, but actually becoming a producer. Because, you know, obviously the producer doesn't just pay attention to their favorite instrument. They got to know every part of the um 
the band and what the band is doing and how to coordinate it and everything like that. So um, talk about how, you know, the difference between being just, you know, a keys player, just a guitar player and being a producer as far as a mindset uh, from your perspective. Well, the mindset is simple. When you're a producer, even just a, a music director, you can be an MD um, and a producer. Those, a lot of times, to a certain extent, when the music is played, those go hand, or to a certain extent, they go hand in hand. Um, to be a producer, to be a um, MD, you have to have an ear for everything. You have to have an ear for placement. You have to have an ear to know who's supposed to be doing what and when they're supposed to be doing it. You have to have an ear to not just hear yourself, you know, in the equation. <clears throat> I think that's what a lot of folks mess up. They only listen to themselves in the equation. That's how you can tell who's a good MD and who's who's not, who's a good producer and who's not. You hear keyboard players that want to call themselves producers, and then all you hear is their keys all in the mix is because that's all they were worried about. But when you're really a producer, you know when your keys need to be hidden in the mix, mm -hmm. and what what needs to be you know what needs to be you know uh, have the you know light shined on them, you know what what aspects you you listen to all those things you know that's the difference between you know a regular just a a, a player versus a, a MD or a, a a producer. You have to have an ear. For this this and you know this is a lot of like i just said a lot of what i'm talking about is about um experience it's not about you know sitting and letting somebody tell you all this and showing you everything hand you know taking you by your hand and showing you everything a lot of this is about experience man you have to have an ear to to understand what's supposed to happen, when it's supposed to happen, how it's supposed to happen. You know, if you don't, if you don't have that, you know, you, you, you're, you're out of luck really. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, for me, that definitely helped me to understand. And then listening to, it depends on who you're listening to. For me, I grew up listening to Jonathan DeBose. So I knew what guitar players were supposed to do. And I think I went live the other day because I was just so infatuated with what John, Uncle Johnny sent me back. I'm working on a record with my boy out in Texas and Uncle Johnny sent me back his guitars. And I was just like, God, this is amazing because I didn't have to tell him to do anything. He did everything I needed him to do. And it was just like, I grew up listening to that because Uncle Johnny was on the YP records. He was on the Kimberell Everlasting Life record. So when I listened to you know, Kimbrell Everlasting Life, and shout out to Alex Ward, who's one of my, you know, major influences when it comes to producing. You know, Alex Ward is like my top guy. He put me on some of my first records, um, my first big record with Moret Brown Clark. Alex Ward put me on. But when I listen to his production, you know, and I'm listening to where everything is sitting, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. You have to literally dissect that stuff. So when you go to produce, you know, all right, this can't be just about bass. 
This can't be just about drums. This can't be just about licks on the drums. Everything's got to sit in its in its own place. So yeah, I mean, you know, I tell people like, listen, just listen to music back and forth. Get it in your head. Pay attention to what you're listening to. Don't just don't just be an organist and try and listen for what the organist is doing. You know, you got to listen to everything. You know, that's that's you know, that's just you know, that's my take on that. You know. Yeah, it's really so. It's definitely a mindset that you have to have. Um, yeah, it's definitely mindset, mindset to to care about every aspect of music. You gotta care about it. You know, I don't play guitar. Mm-hmm. I love guitar, but at the end of the day, I I know where it's supposed to be in the music. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, I I play drums. You know, and you know that's one of my first instruments. So I, I, I get it, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta really, even if you're not gonna create the music to produce it, you have to understand what, you know, even in editing, you have to understand what what is what, you know what I mean? You gotta have an ear for that. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely saw that when we recorded the Only Jesus Live Project, just uh, leading up to it, just how every little detail of every instrument counted, like what the bass was doing. He couldn't just do what he wanted. It had to be played no. like play it like the reference. The drums had to play it like the yeah. reference. So, and that that's when I saw, cause I I, I, I asked you to produce, cause I figured, you know, based on what I heard, I think the main thing I heard was the uh, Kimberrell song, Thank You Lord. When I heard that you produced that, that's basically, uh, basically what caused me to uh, give you the call for the, uh, for our joint. But then, like seeing how like you were so focused on every little detail, that let me know for sure. Oh yeah, he's he's not just an organist. He's not just a keys player. Like he's a legit <laughs> producer. Not, not that there was any question, but that like solidified it. And um, you mentioned Alex Ward, or some people know him as Ace of Ward, as a big influence. Uh, a couple months ago, he made a post and he was talking about the difference between a session musician and just a gigging musician. Uh, I want to hear your perspective on that. Like, what what do you think is the difference? Oh man, the gigging musician is gonna get you through the gig. Session musician is gonna get you, you know, is gonna get you paid. <laughs> and you, when you know how to cut sessions, that means you know how to, uh, you know, you know how to play parts specifically. When you, when you, when you're a gigging musician. A lot of times, the, the there's musicians that we're only going to call when we need to when we need to get through the gig, because when you're doing a gig in front of a bunch of folk who a lot of times don't have a specific ear, they you can get through, you can get over on them, not being specific in your playing, you know. And this is what like we you know we I've even talked to y'all about you know being mindful of how your music comes across when you're actually gigging versus what we've done in the studio. Because what they're hearing now from the studio, from the session is specific music. Mm -hmm. So when they come to your concerts expecting to hear that, and I'm just using y'all as an example, Mm -hmm. if they come to a McCain concert, they're expecting to hear specific music. But a lot of times the live elements can take away from that. Mm-hmm. 
the live element of the concert, the live feel of the concert can, can overshadow the mistakes. You know, and sometimes the, the, the gigging musicians will make mistakes and it'll get over because it's like, okay, they're not paying attention. They don't have that specific ear, strategic ear to hear the mistakes. They're just, they just love what's, what's coming together in the camaraderie of the band and of the artists. But you're not going to call those folks that, that can't remember drum patterns to come and play, to come and play a session. Yeah. I'm not calling you, you know, you can't retain music. You can't retain music enough to play it to where we don't have to go back and redo it. You know, so that that's a that's a you know the main difference. Like there's a there's a there's a great difference in in those guys. You know, certain guys you're gonna call, you know, to 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 get through the church service, get through the little gig or whatever. And, and and do it and then certain people you're going to call to be the blueprint to to create to be that guy that's going to make the sound for the for the gigging musician you know that's what a session musician is it's the blueprint calvin rogers is going to be the blueprint for whatever drummer when he played when he gets finished playing this is what the song should sound like you know what i mean when 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 eddie brown get finished playing on the record that's what the piano player should be doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All those things, you know, AJ Brown on bass. Once he get finished playing, Adam Johnson. I mean, I'm just throwing names out there. Once these cats get finished playing, you hear these cats on, you know, Kenny Shelton, Kenny Leonard, you hear these cats on these records. And once they get finished playing, it's a blueprint. And a lot of, a lot of gigging, gigging musicians don't know how to be a blueprint. Yeah, I'll stop there. Wow, that's good. That's really great. I hope I hope those listening that aspire to be session musicians, especially if you're younger, I say take this advice now and apply it and really change up your approach. Specifics. Specifics. Yep, that's that's what it is right there. Because this is coming from somebody that started off doing live recordings really early. Uh, I, I I know you were a teenager, but like how 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 old were you when you did your first live uh, recording? Man, Doobie let me play on a record. I was like 14, 15. Um, I got <laughs> Doobie kind of actually gave me like my first placement on his first record, The Offspring. I helped co-write a song on that song called on that record called I Got Jesus. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I came up with the music, but this other girl wrote it. And you know, you know, I was just like my first record, like that was my first, you know record you know that i played on you know i did i did crazy stuff man i missed my senior prom to do a, a recording in st louis <laughs> you know people was like you don't want to go to your prom i was like for what yep a dance you ain't missing nothing. and i'm trying to go to st louis <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was i was different man i was different growing up it was weird man it paid off though for sure Oh, man, I pray, you know, God is good. Yeah, I'm. So I'm sure your 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 approach now is is uh, you know a little different from back then. But like, how uh, just for those that are paying, you know, watching this and want to learn, what what is your mental approach? Like, if you're not the MD and you got to learn all this music for a record, 
and you know you're the keys player and like you said you want to lay that blueprint what is your approach in studying the music developing your own kind of drill drill myself until i got it see a lot of musicians do today they they practice it enough to get familiar with it Mm -hmm. don't stop there drill yourself until you can literally play this music in your sleep. And, and one thing that I live by um, is that I always, no matter what or where, what, uh, whatever opportunity I have, you always have something to prove. I don't care how great you are. I don't care how many concerts you've done. I don't care how many places you've been. It's always somebody who does not know who you are who does not know what you can bring to the table. There's always gonna be an opportunity for you to prove to somebody why you were chosen. You know what I'm saying? So like when I'm doing stuff, you know, I just did a thing for, um, shout out to my boy Freddie Washington. I did a thing for Times Square Church for their New Year's recording, pre-recording. And, um, you know, we did some great stuff there, man. and I wasn't, I wasn't really the MD. Freddie was the MD and he sent me the music and I just learned it. And my, my job, when you're not the MD, and this is for all the musicians, when you're not the MD, your job is to, is to find a way to enhance the situation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your way to enhance the situation is simply to just know your part. That that's enhancement right there. The fact that they don't got to stress about you. That's an enhancement right there. So, you know, for like, and I use Freddie's gig. We did the gig for the Times Square Church. That was amazing. You know, you know, I never, I didn't even know that church existed. Um, <laughs> until I, until I, until it told me, I was like, hmm, Times Square Church. Okay. He was like, yeah, it's right in the middle of Times Square, New York. You know, they're doing a pre-taping. You can see the ball drop from the church. So they had this room on the, the church, almost like a whole block. Mm-hmm. And on the on one of the corners, they have a corner room with glass all around it. You can look right into Times Square, see the ball drop. Oh, wow. So they did so they did a pre-taping, uh, you know, pre-New Year's Eve taping. And you know, we're there and I had I was going through it at the moment, you know, I just lost my grandmother and I had to, you know, go to her funeral and different things, and I was late getting to the first day of taping. But it was like, you know, it's cool, you know, you're grieving, you know, you had to go to your grandma's funeral, it's cool. I got there, I got there late, and I, you know, you you know where, you know, you're dealing with people who've never seen you before, that are already like, okay, this guy is late. Now, what are we gonna have to deal with? If you wanna come in here, we gotta rehearse, we gotta do all this, man. And, and it was just like, they were like, you saw the sign of relief on them and I came in and I put my, you know, they was ready to tape and I put my little vest on or whatever, my sweater on and they hit, they hit that red dot. And I just, I came in, I just started playing the music and they was like, Oh, so he knows the music already. You, you don't, you know, you don't understand how much that, that is not common nowadays people really becoming unprepared. Like a lot of times you find, your my way to enhance was the fact that I came there straight from my grandmother's funeral and I came there ready to play. Mm-hmm. That was my enhancement to the, to, 
to them, you know, to that whole situation. I wasn't the MD, but I was the main keys player. When I got there, that they didn't have to worry about anything. They didn't have to worry about do we need do we need to take an hour so he can learn the stuff. You know, they they we went in, boom. We hit them songs, and it was like, oh, we're, we're actually good. We don't need to record anymore tonight. We'll pick back up tomorrow. All right, bet. <laughs> and then we and then we left. So it's like you just have to, you have to, you know, always make sure you you know that you got something to prove, man. You can't be sitting up there, you know, acting like you know you're the man. And if you don't know the music, they just got to understand it's because you just got so much going on that learning this music was just not on your things to do. No, I'm never calling you back. I don't care how good you are. You don't retain music. And if you come to rehearsal, rehearsal or the gig, I'm prepared, especially rehearsal. Rehearsal is for us to put the music together. It's not really for you to learn the music. It's for you to go over what you've reviewed. You know, like rehearsal is like the, the quiz before the test. Good. You know what I mean? You're supposed to come in, this is what I've been studying. Put it together. Make, 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 you know, make, make the conversation be cohesive. You know what I mean? The conversation be, between the, the band, between the, you know, singers, between the artists, between the rhythm section, whatever, make that conversation be cohesive, you know, and then you go and take the test and do the live show, live recording, whatever. But you should come to rehearsal, you know, ready, especially if you're not the MD. Like, you're not the MD, this, the least you can do is know your part. Right. The least you can do. You know, so that's just my, my mindset is always, you know, and I did, Couple, I did control Reagan live recording. You know, they they called me. Um, they had a, a slight snafu um, with the music, and they called me, or with the band, and they called me. You know, the week of. You know, I I made it. You know, I told them, yeah, I'll do it. Okay, so that means I'm gonna have to make the sacrifice. And and get on my get on up get on my organ, and learn the music. Yeah. So when I show up to rehearsal, you know, they can they can see and hear that okay this is this is the missing piece. This is what this is what we were missing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We can't see, you know. And I've I've been in, you know uh, I take it as a compliment when people come up to me. You know, even Freddie came with me. He was like, I couldn't, I don't, now that you've done it, I couldn't see this being done with anybody else. You know what I'm saying? I can't hear it. I can't even hear nobody else on this stuff. You know, that's that's the type of marriage I'm, I I build with the music, you know, when I'm doing stuff. You know, and that, and that takes time. It's patience. It's patience. Yeah. That's great advice, honestly. All right. So speaking of uh, being prepared for sessions, like you you played for countless sessions. I'm sure you probably don't know the number, but out of all of the the recordings, <laughs> out of all the recordings, albums, sessions that you played on, what which one is your favorite, and why is it only Jesus Live? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. 
<laughs> excluding excluding only Jesus lied. Do you do you happen to yeah? Do you happen to have a, a favorite? Man, you know. And if you don't, I got to an answer. If you don't, I got to an answer. I've never, I've never been asked that question before. So I'm really trying to think if I have a favorite recording. Man, I've never been asked that question. There's a lot of recordings out there. Though. So. I couldn't tell you, honestly. I love, I've had so much fun doing recordings. I just really don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite. I really don't. I, I never really gauge. I would have to sit down and think about that. Like, cause I've had so many great experiences. Thank God, you know, doing, doing these live recordings, different things. I would really have to sit down and think about that. Like, what is, what is my favorite? Hmm. That's a good one. I think about that. You said you got an answer for me? Yeah, I, my answer, uh, as far as the stuff that I've heard, and I've heard a lot of them that you played on, my favorite now, right now, is Eric Waddell. The, uh, I think it's called The Hour of Power. <laughs> Let me tell y'all, I literally be like, I study that album. And if you haven't heard it, you need to go check it out, especially if you a keys player. Oh, man. Like, literally, <laughs> literally one of the best piano performances I've ever heard on a record. And I think that was like, that was, that was Kevin flexing like okay y'all 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 think you know y'all think I'm an organist all right y'all think it's sweet here we go like literally that's that's if you want to study to get better listen to that album and study it like literally study it like there, I get you know what though it's funny you said that I would that Eric Waddell is definitely in my top like my top five top three probably because that record I don't the, the Lord was with me I'm not even trying to be funny. That I actually didn't. All those pianos are from that night. Like I didn't do any overdubs on that record. That's crazy. So like you know, I was like, I was just, I don't know. It was just something. I don't know. It was something about that music. It just had me. And I, you know, they say I was in my bag. I I wouldn't say that. I was just, I just was really locked in. I think I was really locked in because we were, we had been rehearsing like that whole week, and it was just like to know the music before you get to rehearsal and then still rehearse a whole week, you have no choice but to be locked in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, that was definitely another one of my favorite records that I did is Kiki BRL Live in Chicago. Uh, that it, It's between those two because that's that's the first record I heard you on because I, I, I was late. I ain't gonna lie. I was late to the party. I didn't know about you like that. So, like, I had heard about you a little bit before that record came out. And to this day, probably that song, People, here, uh, at least top three. Four. That's funny, because that was, like, my least. I didn't I didn't like playing that song. I don't know why I didn't like playing that song. I just didn't like playing that song. I don't know what was wrong with me. So, this, for me, the first time I heard it, I remember I was, like, halfway asleep. I'm listening. I'm like, yo, this song is weird. Like, what? They all over. Like, it sounded like the the band was in one key and she was singing in one key. Yep. And, yep. I, and then after I, I played all it back, Jay Drew, Jay Drew did all that. That was all Jay Drew's doing. I played it back. I was like, yo, this is genius. She shouted you out and everything. Like, come on, Kevin, go with me here. <laughs> of course, yo. That man. was fun. Of course, I would have to say Moret's record 
That was my first big record. But like I didn't I didn't sleep at all doing that record. I was just like, you know, just on, you know, and I was working with Eddie Brown and Spanky and you know, uh Sheree Reed, you know, it was just like uh, Timmy, Timmy um Stewart on guitar. It was just yeah, it was crazy. Anthony Brown and group therapy on backgrounds. That was like my first round. I'm like, I was on, I, I, you would have thought I drank eight pots of coffee. <laughs> I couldn't sleep a week in that hotel room. I was just like, man, I just can't, I can't believe this. I can't wait. This is crazy. Definitely. Speaking of that, speaking of that, so if, let's say, um, first, let's say, all right, let's say you were playing either keys or organ. And what would be your dream band? Like as far as like people that you'd like to play with? If you had to do like this. Like for a record, for a record. Like people that I haven't played with yet that I would like to play with? Um, it, uh, So I, I want to include people that, because I know there's a lot of people you look up to that you've already played with. So just anybody. If you you had to make the call, I'm calling all the, the musicians anywhere in the world. And I'm, I'm let's say it's a gospel record. And you know it's going to be a classic record. Who are you going to call? I would have. I've never got a chance. Well, I've done. I've done stuff with Calvin Rogers in the studio, but never live. Okay. I would love to try and do get a get a chance to do a session with Calvin, the C Rod. Um, I would have to call. I would have to call. There's so many though. Like there's so many. Um. Man, I say let's say Calvin, Calvin on drums, and then you got let's see who's on bass. Let's see, you got Snoop, you got Adam Johnson, you know you got Alpheus Bennett. Alpheus, my little brother. Alpheus is the the sleeper out of the crew because you know people just don't realize how. You know, they, they understand how dope Alfie's is. He's just, you know, he's not on the scene like that, at, like he should be. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I agree. But, you know, you got Al. Um, I would love to do a record with, you know, that is Trivet on bass. You know, that's that's the, that's the homie. Um, then you got, you got Bubba. You got, um. What's my man's name? Papa um, plays bass. I can't think of his last name. Out in um, L.A. He's amazing. But, you know, of course, you got beat up, too. You know, but it's, oh, man, it's, 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 that's hard, man. I mean, of course, you know, I got, I got Chris Payton, Johnny Fung on guitar. You know, if y'all know who Johnny Fung is, you know, um, of course, Uncle Johnny. You know. um, I don't know, man. I'm trying to. I'm really trying to narrow it down. I really am. That's all good. You did. You named some heavy hitters. So it's like, man, like there's so many out there, bro. Like, like if I had to assemble a team for like crazy record, I would. Hmm. 
I'm gonna write it down. We get I'm gonna pray about it. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask the Lord to guide me, keep me and guide me. Yeah, because we we prepared for this to really happen. We not you know we ain't just talking. We really trying to see this happen. So there you go, bro. Ooh, excuse me. Um, man, there's so many out there though. It's, it's so many out there. I would I would love, like, you know, you're talking about the heavy hitters. You know, of course, you know, like I said, you got the C-Rides, you got, you know, um, there's a couple other drummers out there um, that, that that I love. Um, but then you got, you know, Snoop on bass. You know, you can do Snoop on bass. You can do, um, you know, AJ Brown, you can do Ted. That is tripping. It's just so many, like so many combinations you can throw at him. Uncle Johnny, you know, on guitar, you know, Chris Payton, Johnny Fung. Those are like my three favorite guitar players right there. And you know, of course, you got the Glenn Gibsons. You got the, you got the uh, Rodney East. You know, and it's like it would be so it would be so unorthodox to have like Rodney, you know, and you know, or somebody like that. Because Rodney East just has such a different he's just his own person. Like nobody nobody sounds like that, you know. Nobody sounds like Rodney. Yeah, closest closest might be Jason Tyson, but even he yeah. got his own sound too. You know, but they they yeah, they boys, but they got, you know, Rodney has has you know, patent like the Chicago sound. Like you know, he's he's the guy out there. You know, there's so many combos you can throw at that man. I I really don't know. You know, but I'm like I'm like Alex Ward, where he doesn't believe in just using a set one set of people. He likes he likes switching it up. Mm -hmm. So it all depends on it all depends on you know what what we would have to um what type of record it is, yeah. all that type of stuff. But yeah, like that's, man, you know, you got Uncle Dave on organ, you know, Dave Blakely, yeah. you, know, you got, you got Mike B, you know, there's so many people you can call, man. Um, just, there's so many ways to go at that, man. I, I don't know. I really don't know. But yeah, you, know, you you definitely definitely name like endless heavy hitters. So either either way that combination shakes, it's gonna be it's it's gonna it's gonna hit. Like uh, you know, we, you know, of course you got Lawrence Jones. Lawrence Jones is an amazing guitar. You know, that's that's the home. Um, you know, so many people, so many people. Um, there's a lot of lot of dope cats out there. Kenny Shelton, man. Man, he's unheard of, man. James Ash. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. I met him. I just met James like a couple years ago. And I was like, dang, who was that? <laughs> he was killing. It's just so, it's so, it's, you know, Jaden Arnold. Man. That guy. Talk about a prodigy. Yeah. yeah it's a prodigy. You know, there's there's so many Daryl Freeman. Legend. Just 
Yeah, there's so many ways you can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, but we we speaking it though, like you gonna be in that position too where you can just call people. So we we already setting it up now. Oh, I, I'm I'm receiving it. I'm receiving it in Jesus' name. Yes, sir. So all right, so you know, we we coming to a close soon, but I appreciate your time once again, man. But I appreciate it. So, I'm about to go get something to eat. I'm about to pass out. <laughs> all right. But, but yeah, so you 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 already have the privilege, the opportunity, the blessing to play for, in my eyes, the greatest artist that almost ever do gospel, Fred Hammond, the legendary Fred Hammond. And we you know we already got an inside joke about that one, but man, that that's that I know you're not supposed to be jealous. I know you're not supposed to be jealous, but man. But at the same time, at the same time, it's like I'm living vicariously through you. Cause I'm every time I see, you know, you you playing for, I'm like, man, I, I'd be happy. Like, cause that that's that's legendary. But is there any artist, like not even just gospel, like just in general, that that would be your dream to play for? Well, that was, you know, Fred Hammond was definitely one of the open doors in 2020. Like, you know, he hit me out of nowhere. I was like, F you. I'm like, that's Fred Hammond for real? Oh, shoot. Yeah, I got an organ in my studio. You need an organ done? Absolutely. Turn that thing right on. <laughs> um, the artist that I would love to play for, I would love to go out with Kurt Franklin. Kurt Franklin, you know, absolutely. I would love to. I would love to go out on the road with Kurt Franklin and like have have a lot of fun on 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 that gig. I I just you know, organ wise and stuff. I would have so much fun on that gig. I feel like you know Terry Baker. That's another guy. Terry is one of my guys. You know, love Terry Baker. So I would love to like be in be in a mix on that. Like that would be dope. Yeah, Kirk Kirk got a live show like nobody else. That's mm-hmm. a, so if you if you ever if you ever got on that gig, that'll be I already know that'll be crazy because man, that that like when you I got a, I got a I got a phone call. Oh okay. Yeah, you good. Let's just watch this. Crystal Rucker. It's right there. I'm on a I'm on a, a podcast with 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 my boy the McCains. Oh okay. okay. I'm, I'm I was just we was just you know I was just getting ready to bring your name up, but um you but we 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 gonna um I'm gonna call you just stay right by your phone I'm gonna call you right back. Okay. How you doing? How you I'm, doing, Sister Crystal Rocker? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Good to hear from you. God bless you. Hope all is well. Thank you. All right, Chris. I'm gonna call you right back. Okay. Bye-bye. See, man, that, that's 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 the type of person we dealing with right here. Uh, Never could get a call from. No, we've been playing phone day. tag. We have literally been playing phone tag since like two two p.m. But like, I'm like, oh lord, I gotta answer now. She's gonna she's gonna get mad. But we we trying to work on we working on some music. But um, yeah, I would love to go out. I would love to go out on the road with Kurt. That's one gig I would love to do. So one one thing that you said during the week when we um recorded, I know I keep referencing that, but we we about to do it again just in case you were wondering. We about to do it again. 
in a couple months. But um, one one thing that you said was, and I know I might have messed up the, the the wording on it, but if average is acceptable, amazing isn't achievable. Is that, is that how it goes? in Houston, Texas said that to me, and that stuck with me ever since. And the, the the good thing about that quote is it's not just it don't just apply to music. That's literally life advice. Like when I heard that, I was just like looking at my life, like man, what am I doing? Because like a lot of times, you know, just based on circumstances of you, you kind of settle with good enough. But like if you're really trying to make a mark and make a difference, like you really have to push past, put push past being, being you got to push past being mediocre. You got to push past being good. You know acceptable you know yep. what's the least i can do right you know and it's like that's not even good for god it's like why are you gonna you know subject everybody else to that you know type of thinking gotcha. ah man you gotta you gotta be careful you gotta you gotta go hard in everything you know some of the greatest people in the world and and entertainment and basketball kobe jordan these cats didn't just get by they weren't who they're not who they are kobe wasn't who he was because he was just good enough you know this the same kobe that when he lost in the playoffs he flew back home and he he went to the gym and didn't come out the gym for days (laughs) you know what i'm saying you know it's just you know it's a it's a mindset you're gonna be average okay be average but don't 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 you dare try to make that the new the new standard. Don't you dare try to make that the new the new high. Mm-hmm. Nah, you're you know if that's your standard, stay down there where you at and leave us alone. I'm gonna go be greater than great. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying I'm gonna go I'm gonna go be up there. You know what I mean? You know and and you know be a difference, man. You know, I don't know. For sure. Yeah. Um. And once again, coming to a close. But uh, one of the things I was I was so happy to see it wasn't 2020, but I, I think it was like a 2019 blessing somewhere around there. When uh, well, I think it started around 2018 when you got signed by Nord. It was around the same time you got signed by uh, Hammond. And I just really appreciate what they do because, like, a lot of times I think your whole family is underrated, even though very appreciated throughout you know the gospel musician community but at the same time underrated. So for them to put the spotlight on you and some other musicians and, and then um, you got a video with them that's like over half a million views right now. And, really? the, and the good thing about it is, that. say again? I said, I didn't know, I honestly didn't know that. Yeah, um, tried it, everybody's seen that. But um, wow. the, the good thing is that, the good thing is that like just showing the type of person you were, that was your moment. But in that video, you called up Glenn Gibson and and just, you know what I mean? You brought him out there as well. So that that just just shows like how what type of person you are. It's not all about you. It's about reaching, reaching, you know, reaching out, helping somebody else, not being threatened by um by their gift. Because that 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 happens a lot of times. People will be good and then somebody else will be popular or have a lot have a name behind them. Like, nah, we, you know, they, we can't be seen together. They're gonna take some of my shine or you know, they they might make me look bad or something like that. Mm-hmm. And both of you guys are beasts, but you know, like I said, a lot of people wouldn't do that. But you you were cool with you know having him along, giving him his shine. You're either gonna be a part of somebody's, you know, uh, come up, or you're gonna be against it. 
Yes, sir. You know what I mean? And and what I did, I did what I reciprocated what happened to me. Um, you know, quick, real quick, before I go get me some chicken. Um <laughs> that's my something my dad would say when he's preaching, I'm gonna hurry up and close and we can all go get get a piece of fried chicken. But no, like, you know, what happened, how it happened with Nord, man. And I'll tell this story because there's so much, there's so much being said about Nord. There's so much being said about the artists of Nord. And, you know, people have their fixations and their opinions and they think their, their opinions are Bible and they have no idea what they're talking about. A lot of them are very ignorant in what, they're, what they've been saying, you know. Um, and so I, I tell people, I say, you wanna know what happened, go, go, go straight to the source. You know, and so really quickly, you know, that's how it happened for me. I was hanging out. Um, my brother Doobie talked me into going to NAM in 2018. No, in 2017. No, in 2018. I'm right. Yeah, 2018. My brother Doobie talked me into going to NAM. I went to NAM for the first time ever. And I was just there and I was just sitting there like, oh my God, this is this is overload. And um seeing all my homies, all the musician friends, you know, everybody. And um saw my boy Jesus Molina told me, he said, hey, I'm playing at the Nord booth. You should come by. They need to, they need to meet you. It's like, all right, I'll come by, but I ain't tripping. I ain't come here for no endorsements, man. My brother made me come here, man. I wouldn't even try to come here. You know, I'm just being like that. I'm like, you know, and um, and then um, I got to the booth. I was hanging out with my cousin Kenny Leonard, actually. Um, you know, Tasha Cobb Leonard, Tasha Cobb's husband. Um, we're hanging out, and he was like, "Yo, man, let's let's go." Um, so first things first, I did go to the Hammond booth because my good friend Jimmy Smith is a Hammond rep. He invited me to the booth. He said, yo, come come hang out, man. You know, they, they have a need to meet you, man. You know, I went to the Hammond booth. I played for about 10 minutes and, you know, just have fun on their new Hammond organ. Have fun. Um, they told me they wanted to sign me. I said, all right, cool. You know, I'll be honored. I love Hammond organs. So I'm excited. Um, Jesus told, tells me to come to the Nord booth. I wasn't even going to go. I wasn't gonna go, but Kenny Leonard was like, no, let's go, man, let's go. Man, I know the people over there too, blah, blah, blah. We went and I saw, I watched Jesus play. And I was just like amazed, cause he's just, he's unreal. Jesus is unreal, man. And um, once he got finished, people were clapping and he saw me, he was like, come, come. And he sat, he sits down on the piano. And he starts playing Doobie songs. He starts playing Agnes Day, Doobie's version. Yeah, yeah. So he makes me sit down on the organ. So I sit down on the organ and we start, we're playing Agnes Day. And he's, he's you know, we're just having fun. Now what happens is um, when I got, when we got done with it, um, we get up, we're talking to people, shaking hands. What I didn't realize is that the owner and CEO, Creative Nord, standing behind me the whole time. And so I'm like, you know, Jesus introduces me, all these people, and he says, this is Hans, Hans Nordelius. 
And I'm like, okay. It was like, no, this this is dude that invented Nord. I'm like, oh wow, okay, pleasure to meet you. Mr. Hans, I call him Mr. Hans. He had his wife with him. Mr. Hans' wife um came, said to me, I really enjoyed you. I said, thank you. I, pleasure, you know. Now, all this time, I really didn't even, I wasn't even trying to, you know, I'm just chilling. I'm not expecting nothing. She comes back to me and says, um, no, Mr. Hines comes back to me and says, my wife wants you to play again. She wants to know if you will play for her again. And I was like, ah, I'm, you know, I'm good. You know, I'm about to go. I'm hungry. And the spirit of the Lord said, be obedient. And I was like, oh, okay, God, okay. I sat down at Oregon. I started playing hymns. I played like I went church. I started. I said, hey, I'm hey, I'm I'm a church musician. I said that to the audience because they was all still standing. They were like, no, play again, play again, please. And I, and I said, hey, let's go to church then. I started playing the blood, blood that Jesus. And I was just like having fun on the organ, I started, then I played like Amazing Grace and different things. When I got done, she was crying. She had tears in her eyes. And um, she said, she said something to her husband. He, he walked back, he walks back up to me. Mr. Hines walks back up to me and says, my wife wants to know why aren't we paying you to play our product? And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I said, hey, I just, hey, I love Nord, you know. I just came over here, you know, just cause it was Nord, you know? And um, he said, do you have, do you have any, you have any, you know, business cards or anything? You know, it was so much convention talking going on that week that I gave out all my business cards and I didn't have any to give. <laughs> I didn't have any to give to Mr. Hines. So I wrote, I literally had to write my stuff down on a piece of paper. And I said, I'm sorry, I, I ran out of business cards. He took it, he laughed, and he was like, we'll be in touch. And he left and caught a plane back to Sweden. A week later, I had an email with, with documentation and paperwork to sign to become a Nord, a Nord artist. And they were like, well, what do you do? We wanna know what your tour dates, can you send us your tour date schedules? I was like, I don't tour. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that's fine. Mr. Hines told us to just give you give you an endorsement. He said, he said, give you the, you know, our our you know standard endorsement for all of our artists. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, the rest is history. You know, this wasn't you know, this wasn't no climbing up on other folks back. What happened there, what Jesus did for me, I wanted to precipitate that for other folks. You know, so the next year they asked me to perform at the booth. That's where you seen Glenn coming up. Yeah. And I and I wouldn't even it wasn't even planned. It literally was not planned. I'm grooving and it's just me and Alpheus in my tracks. And I'm just grooving. And I saw Glenn. I was like, no. And he just came up. The rest is history. You know what I'm saying? You know, and people, people, you know, I tell people if you really knew the backstory, you just shut up and and thank God and praise God for the doors that he's opened. When you learn how to celebrate other folk, you know, God, I'm like, he'll make it happen for you. So. Yeah, well, 
was well deserving. Like I said, or like earlier, you one of the greatest organists, keyboard players, producers. You a songwriter as well. Dope with that. You a deacon. All of that. And I, I'm the type of person. The reason I ask so many questions, I like giving people the flowers while they could still smell them. Man, I live ever since. Ever since I heard that lyric, I'm like, man, that, that's how you gotta live. Like, love them now. Love them now. Yep. Don't wait till later. Love them now. Yeah, not even it, not even just because it's popular, just because you appreciate somebody. So I appreciate all you've done. You huge inspiration when we talk and when I'm just studying what you do from afar. So I appreciate you for doing this interview. Man, I appreciate you. Yes, sir. I pray that God continues to open his, open many more doors. I'm excited to see what he's about to do in your life, man. It's going to be incredible. Look, I'm excited for you, man. Great, great things are on the horizon for you. Keep pushing, keep practicing, keep doing your great. Man, y'all got y'all got some, you know, you even you yourself, y'all got so many up more levels to climb. And it's just gonna it's it's only up from here. This is gonna get better and better. So you keep keep going, man. Yeah. Keep going and, and keep pushing my my niece and nephew. Yeah. I want to see them in that studio some more. Yeah. I want yeah. to see them in that studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna capture some more when, when, when the when that is funny. Yeah, yeah. I got so many videos, but I, I can't post them because the house ain't quite right. But and I love, I love that man. I love that man. I'm gonna go have me some kids tomorrow. So. Oh, all right, cool. I bet. You need go some. tomorrow. I'm gonna go tomorrow and get some. Get some. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So once again, this is the interlude with Drew interview with super producer musician Kevin Powell, and as I always say. Only what you do for Christ will last. Take it one day at a time. That's it. You're pushing. It's not in vain. What you do for Christ is not in vain. God bless y'all, man. Happy 2021. Y'all stay safe. Um, practice your social distancing. Uh, wear your mask. Consider everybody else around you. We've lost way too many people, you know, out of, and some, sadly, some out of ignorance. Stay safe. Do what you got to do. Stay safe. God bless y'all, man. Drew, love you, man. Love you, my dude. All right. Yo. It's the Welcome to The Interlude with Drew.